guys, welcome to Discount Ticket to a World Unknown. I am Michaela. And I'm Catherine. And today we are going to talk about chapter six through ten of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yes, we are. But before we get too far into this book, I had a listener the other day talk to me about one of our episodes from Sorcerer's Stone. And she had just listened to the episode where we talked about Dumbledore in the Mirror of Erised. And uh, shout out to Sydney, if you're listening. She asked if what I thought of Dumbledore seeing Voldemort's demise in the mirror. And if that's what he saw. And if he knew he was going to have to die to help Voldemort's demise. Oh my god, that gave me chills. All right? (laughs) It was like, oh my god. Interesting. I was like, you know, that's not even where my brain went. (laughs) I know why why though because it it explains why why Dumbledore the Horcruxes everything like the trail to Voldemort's demise he knew oh my god yeah she was like maybe one of his deepest darkest desires was to see Voldemort of Voldemort's demise and see him end and his power end and oh my um, god if that's what he she's amazing oh my god I, I never I even like, thought about that I was like uh mind blown <laughs> absolutely um, like my heart I was like honestly like my mind didn't even go that direction I always thought that Dumbledore was more like um Trelawney and had like the she could see he could see the future and that's where I kind of felt like he was going. But if the mirror helped him figure out all of that for Voldemort's demise, like that's even more like interesting. Yes. So. Because it would have showed him how to defeat him because that would have been his greatest desire. Interesting. A food for thought there. Oh, definitely. Shout out to Sydney again. She, yes, shout out. Come on. Is, we need um... more people like that. <laughs> Give us like, new theories. Yes. Like I said, please email us your opinions and theories of things because we may just bring it up in a podcast about how mind blown we are, like how Sydney talked to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I was mind blown. I was like, I don't even know how to respond to you right now. <laughs> anyways so that was just food for thought I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was really interesting and I thought you would also love that type of conversation absolutely I loved it we can now get back to the chapters we're going to talk about today um the first chapter is chapter six Gilderoy Lockhart our favorite person yes our favorite flake (laughs) our favorite self-absorbed idiot (laughs) yes Okay, so the first note that I had in this chapter, vampires. Vampires never really made an appearance in the movies. However, werewolves did. So I felt that was, I mean, in this entire movie, Hermione is reading a book about vampires. Yeah, so vampires are brought up in the books more than in the movies, but I don't believe an actual vampire shows up at any point in the book series either. So I can understand why the movies would never bring up vampires just because they never put a name to a character that is a vampire in the book series that I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that, but I just, I felt that it lacked the fact that they didn't even mention it. Like, she could have easily just been reading a book in the movies and it say vampires. Like, that could have been an easy scene to incorporate in there because she is reading a book about 
the defeat of vampires or so. I can't remember what the book is called. Well, she but she's are you sure they didn't name all of Lockhart's books? Because I feel like they did in the movie. I I think it might have been one of Lockhart's books. Yeah, and that's what she's reading. And they talk about him. Fighting I don't think vampires. they go into I don't think they go into real big depth like they do in the books, but I could have sworn that they at least mentioned that there's a book about vampires. But we'll I could be to, wrong. I could yeah, be wrong. We'll have to watch. <laughs> we do need to watch because we I feel like watch. I'm making a lot of statements that could be very wrong. <laughs> because uh, I haven't seen the movies <laughs> in at least a year or so. Well, yeah, and I haven't, I think I watched the movie series a, a few months before I started reading the book series and I feel like I'm getting some information jumbled yeah but I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they never mentioned vampires uh, they probably w- didn't I, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't because it other than mentioned in, mentioned in books I really don't think that there is any other reason to bring up vampires so yes you might just be right yes so we ended chapter five with them being congratulated by the Gryffindor mm-hmm. students about flying the car. Mm-hmm. And then they and, go to bed. Yes, and, they go to bed. <laughs> and then the next day, they are at breakfast, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're getting ready for their first day of classes. Yes, and lo and behold, the letter from Ron's mother. Mail call! Yes, mail call. <laughs> and then Ron receives the howler. I I love this scene. The Howler, both in the book and in the movie, is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole book. And for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Both the movie and the book together, like the scene is very accurate. However, I do have to say that the scene when Ron receives the Howler, I'm pretty sure everyone gathers around him and they're like, oh, Ron has a Howler. Like right in the movie, that's what happens. But in the book... He's very like reserved about it, and he's just kind of like, oh, oh, and people don't know he received a howler. Neville does, but no one else in the book knows he received it until he opens it, and then they make fun of him for it. That's true. I do think that they um, announce I'm that pretty Ron sure has a howler before he even opens it in the movie. I don't know if they gather around him for it because the um, howler is really loud. So they don't necessarily need to get out of their seat to hear the howler. Well, that's Um, what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure. But I do, I do think you're right about them saying that um, he has a howler and everyone knew about it before it even opened. I also don't think that Ron opens the howler in the movie. I think the thing opens itself and starts yelling at him. I think so too. And I, and in the book, I think he opens it, doesn't he? He op- Yeah, he opens it because Neville is talking to him, saying it's better to open it and not avoid the inevitable because it'll get worse. He said that he received one from his grandmother, which he's, he mentions that in the movie, but it doesn't go into detail. It doesn't say anything about it getting worse, really, or, or anything like that. Or, yeah. Whatever but, else he said it did. <laughs> in the book, it is actually smoking from the edges as the howl or the howler, the like... Hey, editing Catherine here. I just wanted to pop in and clarify some things real quick because I noticed an error. Um, When Michaela was talking about the howler that was smoking, she mentioned that it was doing that in the book 
And she actually meant to say that it was smoking in the movies before it reached Ron. So I just wanted to hop in and clarify that just so you guys are on the same page as us for the rest of the conversation. Enjoy! So I think you're uh, right. I think it was already smoking before it had even reached Ron. And what's that kid's name? Is it Seamus or Seema? Seamus? Yeah, he's the... Yes, he's the one that stands up and says, Ron's got a howler in the movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is him. The other thing about the howler, the difference between the movie and the book, the howler not only opens itself, but it starts screaming at Ron about everything, which that conversation is pretty similar to what happens in the books. Yes. The only difference is at the end of the howler screaming at Ron, um, it then mentions, it then is quiet and talks to Ginny and says, congratulations on getting into Gryffindor. And then it like zerberts, like spits at Ron and tears itself up. In the book, it does not do that. It doesn't congratulate Ginny. It doesn't. It, does it doesn't spit at Ron. It like it. It like explodes or something like that. It like becomes ashes, basically. Yeah, but it it eats itself in the movie. Yeah, it eats itself. I never understood that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like it's it's a like it talks out of the letterhead. Like it's not even yes. It's not even a letter that opens up and talks. It's like the letter head, like the envelope is talking. And then the envelope mouth just starts ripping itself apart. <laughs> don't, I don't, I, yep. Yes. Yep. So, and also something that happens, Hermione is very angry with them. Before yeah. the howler comes along, she's very angry with them. She hardly talks to them at all. And then whenever Ron receives the howler, she's like, okay, punishment enough. But I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was a little sad that Harry's name was thrown in there. And he admits that he felt so bad because Ron's father was facing an inquiry at work and he just felt so bad but he was mentioned in there he was like it was so careless you know like whatever she says and then Harry's name was mentioned and he felt so bad about it he felt all the guilt and I loved that part like that scene oh is I know what you're talking about hold on uh you and Harry could have died Harry had been wondering when his name was going to crop up he tried very hard to look as though he couldn't hear the voice that was making his eardrum throb yes because Harry respects Molly a lot well yeah he Weasleys. he feels like they're family yes and so he feels very disappointed in the fact that he caused problems to his chosen family so then after the howler they go to they get their, their schedules yes they get their schedules which is never actually shown in the movies they don't actually like explain how the children know where the hell they're supposed to be going yeah but in the book mcgonagall passes out schedules <laughs> exactly like they are in the the um dining hall or whatever mm-hmm. you call it and she's passing out their schedules and they're comparing schedules mm-hmm. and then i'm pretty sure it cuts to the herbology herbology scene right Yes. That is the first class. They're walking there, I think, yeah. Yes. And I love the herbology scene in the movie. I love the mandrakes. But one thing that I did want to address was the fact that Lockhart was never involved in the herbology scene in the movie. 
No, he wasn't. However, it is, he is involved in the book because right before Harry goes into his herbology class, Lockhart pulls him aside to talk to him about the fact that Harry's need for fame yeah. was the reason why he flew that flying car and got mm-hmm. into the newspaper. <laughs> and I love, I just love how self-absorbed Lockhart is to believe, to convince himself that Harry is the reason why he flew that car. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's honestly very funny that Lockhart is so like self-consumed that he assumes that with Harry and him on the newspaper, he gave Harry a taste of fame and now he's trying to get it, get He's hungry for it. He says something like that. And, and like, if you know Harry, you know, he doesn't like being in the spotlight. Like he does not enjoy that. And so- like the idea of someone convincing themselves so much that they influenced Harry to love the spotlight is just ridiculous and funny. <laughs> yes, and, and something I missed real quick. So they're walking to Professor Sprout, right? Mm-hmm. And Lockhart and Professor Sprout are walking together away from the Whomping Willow. They had bandaged the Whomping Willow. Yes, yes. And every single time you see Lockhart, he's trying to help another mm-hmm. professor. And they mm-hmm. don't show that in the movies. He is kind of just a nuisance in the movies. He, yeah. They make fun of him. They make comments. He's obviously an airhead. But they don't really show the fact that Lockhart thinks he knows it all. Yeah. Well, he thinks he knows it all. He's self-consumed. He's very self-centered. And he is trying to one-up everyone, which is honestly probably more of the frustration from the professors than him acting like he knows everything. I think they're more annoyed at the fact that he just keeps talking. And And won't shut up. Yeah, and trying to one-up their knowledge and just won't leave them the fuck alone. (laughs) See, because he does it with Professor Sprout. Mm -hmm. He does it with Snape. Snape Mm -hmm. makes a comment about that later in the book. Um, And then he does it with Hagrid. Yeah. Of all people, Hagrid. And I think he might even do it later on with McGonagall too. Yes, I think so. I don't think we've read that far yet, but I'm pretty sure he tries. And let me just put that out there. Amazing world building on J.K. Rowling's part. Oh, yeah. Herbology, the terms, the potions, Mm -hmm. the names absolutely amazing i can't even imagine the time that it took her to build this world of harry potter yeah and she was herbology ever mentioned in the first book or in the first movie it might not have been because i don't think that herbology is mentioned until the second book or the second movie and i and they say something about herbology in this book that says that they've only been in greenhouse one or something like that the year before yes and they're they moving did. to greenhouse three now and that's so, for more dangerous yeah so i i really am trying to think that if, uh, if they even really mention it in book one and i I don't, I think that it was a like fleeting moment. I don't think we actually saw a herbology scene in the book, book one scene. Yeah. But it does imply that they, they had herbology before this year. And yes. movie wise, it like herbology, this is the first time they've ever been there. And I think that they actually play it like that in the movie scene too, is that this is the first time they've ever been in herbology. So they kind of piece it together better. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I want to point out that we kind of talk about more later on is that Lockhart is in the book scenes more 
than he ever is in any movie scene. Very true. Yes. Like there are a lot more things that Lockhart is involved in in fleeting moments than he ever is in the movie. Uh, yes. He, he <laughs> He's is like mentioned so... all the time. <laughs> He's kind of just a little bit self-absorbed and he's kind of there. Uh, he's a, a professor. Bit. He's a little bit self-absorbed. Okay, yes, yes, yes. He is <laughs> very self-absorbed. There we go. <laughs> but he doesn't really show how much in the movies. He's kind of just there. He's there he because really, he's a professor. Yeah. He really and looks, he has scenes, major scenes. He, but Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, he, he's more annoying in the books. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. He's more annoying in the books. I would say that he's more self-centered character-wise in the movies than he is self-obsessed. Very true. So like he's very like self-centered, focusing on how he looks, focusing on his fame, focusing on how people perceive him in the movies. And in the book, he is all of that plus more. (laughs) He's one-upping all the teachers. He's trying to say he knows everything. Like he, he does a lot more bullshit in the books. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but if I fabricated my life off of these like huge lies, I would not try to prove myself constantly. Even though I know that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like 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 you're just proving yourself wrong. Exactly. The fact that he tries to do some spells and some things to like prove that he knows what the hell he's talking about is so confusing because if someone has this big of a lie going they wouldn't want to give anyone any speck of doubt. So like I I I never have understood that part of Lockhart's character. I think it's yeah. a very it's a very big character flaw for the character arc that he has. Yes. So I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so Lockhart isn't the only scene that is different in this chapter. There is a lot different from the movie in this chapter starting mm-hmm. with the fact that we meet Justin Finch Fletchy in this scene yeah why don't you try to say that last name like five times in a row because i promise you you can't no i had to say it slowly just to pronounce it the correct yeah way. yeah i don't know what jk rowling was trying to do but why that last name <laughs> i mean isn't he supposed to be like muggle-born yes he's muggle-born i'm pretty sure yeah so the crazy he has Finch his parents Fletchy. have no- <laughs> Finch Finch Fletchy. Finch Fletchy. Uh, you can't even say that fast enough to make it even sound cool. It that is a mouthful. It's oh, like let's Jesus. really screw. It. Let's let's give this child the basicest name possible, but let's hyphenate our last names together so that he isn't basic. He has a basic first name, but his last name will never be used again. Like <laughs> let's just make it impossible for people to pronounce his name. Yes, and the thing <laughs> is, is in the book he is known as Justin Finch. Fletchy, Justin Finch, Fletchy. So like, (laughs) yeah, that's the other thing that I've noticed about JK Rowling's writings is she uses their last names a lot. Like Miss, Miss Granger, Mr. Weasley, Potter, Malfoy. Like she really digs into last names, which is not a normal, well, it might be normal for English books. I don't know, but it's not a normal like type of thing that you see in any of the books that I've read. So I think it's really interesting that she like uses last names all the time. Yeah, because they are identified by their last names. Yeah. So like, it's not just, just a mention, just so yeah. it's not, she's not repeating their names over and over. Right. It's because they're identified as their last name. 
Right. And most people would just like most writers like me, I only mention their full name like probably once or twice in the whole series. And then the rest of the time they go by their first name. So it's a very like specific trait for J.K. Rowling's writing, at least for me. I don't know if that's a normal occasion for English or Britain books or what, whatever you want to call it. Possibly. I mean, it could be, but. Yes, but we meet, <laughs> <laughs> we meet just as Finch Fleshy in this scene. Uh, the herbology scene with mandrakes, that is what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And he introduces himself to Harry. Now, in the movies, there is a deleted scene where Harry meets Justin, but it is not in the herbology scene. It is in the dueling scene whenever yeah. Harry talks to the snake. Well, it's it's before Harry even duels, if I remember right. Yes, it's before, and he introduces himself. Yeah. So he, and um, he doesn't- And he's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, and he doesn't become a character. No. In the movies. Which is so sad because it would have just been so great to have another Hufflepuff face. Right? But they just completely erase him out of thin air. There's no yes. Justin Finch Fletchy. Finn Fletchy. Whatever that his last name is. I don't care. <laughs> Finch Fletchy. Finch Fletchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways. The other thing that I want to point out is... Um, the scene, the herbology scene is really quick in the movies and it's mostly just you learning about mandrakes and then pulling out and you seeing what a mandrake looks like and then Neville passing out at, in the end of the scene. Yes. Neville does not pass out in the books. He does not. He and does not pass out. This scene is actually very flawed for the movies. And you know, I think that maybe they did that because they didn't portray Neville's character as a dope very well in the movies. And I think maybe they tried to make up for that a little bit in this scene. But you're right, it's very flawed. It does not make sense because now reading the book, I mean, I loved that scene. But now that you mention it, like it's not being in the movie or like it not being the same as in the movie. I just can't see it the same way. Well, and here's the thing. It could be comedy relief that they tried to use in the movie. And you know what? That's great, except for the fact that they used the wrong character. I know that Neville is known to be a scaredy cat, kind of dopey, like like a very easily usable character to bring comedy relief because he is so clumsy. However, his star class is herbology. He is good at herbology and that's the only class he's good at. And so that's what he excels in. And for the fact that he would pass out in herbology because he didn't listen to instructions or passed out because of the scene of the the babies being pulled out of the pots or whatever it was for why he got he passed out in that scene does not add up for his character because he's supposed to be amazing at herbology and like and later it becomes something very big for him and I don't know if the movies explain it so I don't want to spoil it for you but it is a very important part of Neville's character and so that's why it's so flawed is because very true Neville would not have been the one that would have passed out in herbology I could see Justin Finch Fletchy doing it, but Neville should not have been the one that did it because it it does not line up with his character. Yeah. So that is the herbology scene, the lovely herbology scene and the mandrakes. (laughs) And then they're going through their classes in this chapter and they go to McGonagall's class. Uh, In this class, they are trying to turn, what was it? Roaches or beetles? Beetles into buttons. Mm -hmm. this scene never 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember this scene very like vividly in the movie. I don't think it's in the movies because now that I'm thinking about it, I remember it being a part of the franchise, but I think that's because of that Harry Potter game that came out on your phone where you got to do like the spells and stuff and you like picked your house and that kind of thing where it like went on the years where you learned more stuff. And I remember it on there, but now that you're talking about it, I don't think we ever saw that class. Because, you know, Ron broke his wand at the end of chapter five right Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever he was in the flying car he broke his wand and I mentioned this later but they don't really go in depth with how much Ron struggles with his wand and this scene is a great example because in McGonagall's class he's trying to turn the beetle into a button and he ends up smashing his bug yeah I don't think that's in it at all because honestly now that I'm thinking about it I think it jumps straight from herbology to Lockhart's class yes it does So you're right. It's not in there at all, which is kind of sad because it does show how much Ron is struggling and it shows- And Harry struggles too. Yeah. Well, that too. And it shows why, because I'm pretty sure that's when the conversation was when Harry or Hermione asked why Ron doesn't write home to get a new wand. It explains why he continues to have this broken wand because Ron doesn't want to get in trouble or Ron doesn't want them to say, well, it's your fault that it's broken. We're not fixing it. Like that kind of thing. He doesn't want to deal yes. with humility. So he just deals with his broken wand. And I don't think that's ever explained in the movies at all. Nope. He just walks around with a broken wand, but then later he gets a new wand. Yeah. Well, no, uh, he gets a new wand because Lockhart takes it at the end of the book. Right. You're right. Yeah. So he he makes up, he, I guarantee he makes up the stories to his parents. Like, oh, my wand was stolen. Yeah. I need a new one. Yep. He was so excited about that, I bet. Uh, yeah, he was. <laughs> Too bad he had to st- suffer uh, slugs for that. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so that was after- He knew it was broken. <laughs> yes. So after McGonagall's class- they are going through their classes and and don't they go to either they're in the hallway or they're at lunch i think they're on like some type of lunch break yeah because they're outside yeah so lunch colin creevy we meet him at last (laughs) and i looked at some of the clips for the deleted scenes of harry potter and the chamber of secrets and one of the scenes was the scene where Colin Creevy is introduced. I'm pretty, he comes in, he's introduced to Harry, but I don't think he's introduced the way that he is. So Colin Creevy is very annoying in this book, but in the, in, in the movie, he's more like neurotic a bit, right? I would say in the movies, he's more like paparazzi in the movies. Yeah. He's more like just popping up out of nowhere wanting pictures of Harry and not really like being the like fangirl type of personality that he has in the books. He's more just more or less just snapping pictures all the time. Which he does do in the books. Yeah. However, he's more of a fan in the books. And when he's introduced to Harry or when he introduces himself, he's more timid a little bit. Like he, to me, he acts like he's just more timid and like oh my gosh the famous harry potter you know like harry i want a picture on my father's yeah. milk milkman or you know all yeah, of he that explains his life story explains how he's muggle born he explains how he read and heard all about harry and how he defeated he who should not be named or whatever the acronym is um and that everyone was talking to him about all like what he did and yeah and Harry's name 
Yeah, and so it explains more why Colin is so obsessed with Harry instead of just like being this annoying little kid that just wants pictures of Harry Potter, like his kind of persona is in the movie. And the unfortunate thing is Colin Creevy means so well. Like he just wants to send his dad pictures of this new world that neither one of them knew about. And he's like so excited about all these new experiences. He just wants, he's like soaking it up, but he's soaking it up in the worst way possible because he's just (laughs) like, he's being a pest instead of just like soaking it up and wanting to know everything and wanting to send like letters home about everything that he's experiencing. Instead, he wants to like dive deep headfirst into everything and taking pictures and and wanting everything documented. <laughs> yes. And it's it, it's bad because he would not get in so much trouble and Harry wouldn't hate him if he would just get rid of the camera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but- so, yes. Um, <laughs> so we meet Colin, Colin the pest, Colin uh-huh. the paparazzi. And then after lunch, you jump to Lockhart class. Yes, okay. you do. And... Hermione is very fond of Lockhart in the movies, but they don't really go in depth with that either compared to the books. Because she's really fond. She's fangirl fond, defend him, defend his honor fond of Lockhart. No matter, like, even the evidence aside, she's like, Lockhart this, Lockhart that, you know? (laughs) I would say that she's definitely more obsessed with Lockhart and more, like, fangirl celebrity type of love for Lockhart than she does in the movies. I still think that they showed it a little bit, but I think that once Lockhart starts doing the stupid shit that he does, like, making Harry's bones disappear in his arm and, like, that stuff, I don't think they show her obsession with him as much after, after the pixie scene i think that's the last of it yeah but in the book they show she repeatedly defends him even after harry's arm she's like oh that could have been a simple mistake yeah like anyone could make mistakes yes exactly (laughs) and you're like no no one no one makes the biggest mistake of the world and gets rid of bones like like that's a pretty big mistake (laughs) yes so another scene that was a deleted scene in the movie or at least it said it was deleted. I don't remember it. Uh, Lockhart's quiz. And then you also see Hermione's fangirl in that scene as well, because she gets all of the questions on the quiz right. Yeah, she knows everything about Lockhart, possibly. She does. Like, she read all of his books, and then I'm yeah. pretty sure she read them again and again and again. <laughs> Probably, because yes. she's a bookworm at heart. <laughs> no, I'm obsessed so, with Lockhart. Yes. So this quiz is basically just like questions about Lockhart. Like, What's his birthday? I don't even remember the other ones, but they were all surrounded like Lockhart, like what his favorite food was, um, where his favorite place was to go. And it's all like sprinkled into his books. And so instead of the quiz asking about how Lockhart defeated this or Lockhart defeated that, it's more of what's Lockhart's favorite color? How does Lockhart do his hair? Like that kind of stupid shit. Like no one needs to know that. No one needs to know about you, Lockhart. They just need to know how the fuck you did the stupid shit you did. And how in the world? (laughs) How in the world did Dumbledore allow the reading list to be all of Lockhart's books? Is there really anything to learn in those books other than 
here or there he conquered this he did this so i i think this is a theory i don't think this is i don't know if this is canon or not uh because i might be remembering wrong but i want to say that dumbledore or not dumbledore lockhart says that there were other wizards that did the things that he wrote about and he took credit for it and erased those wizards brain like memories of this or it says it at the very end of the movie Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure so I think that it's actually a good thing to learn because I think that the things he says he does in the book uh, in his books actually do happen. However, I he doesn't do it. Yeah, but so he doesn't that, even teach them about the books or anything that. Yeah, not like really. The he like reads from the books or something like that. He doesn't actually ever teach them anything. But I don't think that, and I and I want to say the reason why Dumbledore wasn't so upset about him wanting all of those books for them to read is yeah. that there was good things in there and it did, some of the stuff did actually happen. It just wasn't dumbass Lockhart that did it. <laughs> so. And as second years, there wouldn't be much to learn in the dark arts anyway, or defense against the dark arts, so. Yeah, like they're still working on charms, so there's not much that they can. I want to say that it's probably more world building than anything for first and second years because they're still learning charms. So this scene, Lockhart, after the quiz, uh, we jump into the pixie, the Cornish pixie scene. So I love this scene, Neville getting hung from a chandelier and all of it. Such a great scene. Doesn't Seamus, something happens to him in the movie. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he hides under a desk. Yes. I think but I this scene maybe. was just it I loved this scene as a kid watching this scene. So the scene happens a lot differently in the movie than it does in the book. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up. Like I'm pretty sure the pixies were handled differently in the movie than they were in the books. In the yes. books, Harry, Hermione, and Ron are told by Lockhart to stay back and capture them while he darts out of the room. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. Doesn't doesn't McGonagall or doesn't another professor come in and handle it? No. In the movie. No. no. Hermione what? Hermione is the one that takes oh, care of it. Oh, she freezes them. Yes. She freezes them. The difference between the movie and the book is that so a lot of it is the same. Lockhart says the best way for you to learn is for me to um throw you into this or whatever. And he pulls out the pixies and lets them go. And then he tries to do something to stop the pixies and it doesn't work. And then he's hiding under a desk or I don't remember what the book does. Um, In the movie, a lot of that is the same. However, when Lockhart realizes that he can't fix the problem, he tells the, the gang, Harry, Ron, and Hermione to fix it and runs away. And the whole class is still in the classroom. Yes. In, in the book, they're all dealing with these pixies being crazy and biting ears and putting Neville on the chandelier and all this kind of stuff and then the bell rings and everyone runs out of the room and then Lockhart's like Harry Ron Hermione you need to help clean this up and so then Hermione does the freeze charm yes which is different because with Hermione's love for Lockhart I don't think that she would have helped fix the problem if Lockhart didn't ask in the movie she just immediately fixes the problem she just stands up like the know-it-all she's portrayed as and just Mm -hmm. does it yeah so that's and that's where it's different because she's so fond of Lockhart and you're right you know he did ask he he said okay I'm telling you as your professor to clean this up 
boom, you know, and she does at the very end of this chapter, she does defend him because Ron makes a comment. And I'm pretty sure that's how this ends is whenever they round up the pixies. Yeah. And the pixies react differently in the movie than they do in the book. I think that I, and I haven't seen this scene in a while, so I might be wrong, but like a couple of the pixies escape in the book. They throw things out windows. They like destroy books and stuff like that. Like they still do the destructive stuff that they did in the movies, but I feel like they also escaped the room a lot more too. I feel like they didn't really do that in them. There might've been like a couple of things that broke through the window and a couple of them left, but I feel like there were more that left in the book. In the movies the pixies were portrayed as children on crack yeah basically (laughs) and in the books they're just destructive and and you know rambunctious but in the movies they're on crack (laughs) yeah yeah i would agree (laughs) so yes that's where we end for this chapter um and then we move on to chapter seven mudbloods and murmurs is that how you say that i think so We jump into this chapter, Harry talking about dodging Gildroy Lockhart because he's just pestering and so annoying. (laughs) Um, And yes, and in the movie, I did want to go a little bit into this. In the movie, they never really talk about Ron's wand. I I mentioned that earlier, I'm pretty sure. Um, And all the problems that he has to go through when he broke it. So, and obviously in this chapter is whenever something comes up that is a side effect to him having a broken wand and the curse that he tries to put on Draco, but we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, that was the note that I have for this chapter. And they, they do bring in the slug scene for this chapter in the movie, but they don't, they don't talk about the troubles that he goes through with the wand. Yeah, not really. They don't really say much. Uh, the first time that you really see Ron having a problem with his wand is when he spell backfires and he has slug problems instead of Malfoy who he pointed it at. Yes. But and then also um Colin Creevy is following Harry around everywhere. And I just had to comment like in the book Colin is so annoying and he appears so much more in the book than in the movie. He kind of just shows up here or there taking pictures of Harry. And then he gets um, attacked by the Baskos, right? So, like, yes, and he, he doesn't does. he doesn't really have a character that shows up. So, like, but he's just so annoying that in the book that I, I don't really mind that they don't put him more in the movie. Colin really is more of a background character, I would say. He really doesn't have as much to do with the plot in the movie as he does in the books. Right. Which Lockhart is kind of the same way. He doesn't really have much other than some of the stupid shit that he does in the movie. And Lockhart does way more in the book. (laughs) So Yes. I think both of them kind of got the shit end of the stick. (laughs) Sadly, because I honestly, I kind of would have loved to see more of Lockhart's annoying, like, selfish character. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it would have made more sense on why he does some things in the plot if we knew more of his selfish behavior. Exactly. Especially at the end. So there's barely any part of the Quidditch practice scene in the movies. Um, In the book, they get up super early and the Captain Wood, he um, goes through a whole bunch of strategies before they even go out to practice. And I don't even think that's in the movies either, which I can understand because you don't necessarily need that long conversation that she portrays in the books but at the same time like you don't get really that sense 
of how serious Wood is about winning this year and the extents that he tries to go to in the book. Well, yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure that that confrontation scene that they have between um, the Slytherins and Mm -hmm. the Gryffindors, I'm pretty sure they have that in the movie, don't they? Yes. So I'm trying to remember because I feel like there's a lot of different, I'm remembering it differently. So I know that they have a confrontation for the Quidditch mat or for the practicing on the Quidditch field. However, the slug scene, I feel like is in a different scene because I had that feeling too, as well. Like, yeah, because I remember the Quidditch team coming out and them having the confrontation and showing the broomsticks and Malfoy being the um, seeker. But I don't feel like they got into all the confrontation that they do in the books because the scene that Ron has slugs is in uh, the courtyard. That's what I thought as well. I thought maybe I was getting my details mixed up, but I think you're right. Yeah, and... I yeah so I'm feeling like I'm remembering this wrong but now you're making me feel better because I feel like it's actually true yeah so I I don't think they were two different scenes in the movie yeah because in this scene Harry actually ditches his practice because meanwhile they're fighting over who's got the court and them having to train their new seeker Draco Malfoy Mm -hmm. and yeah I and he just leaves. He just leaves their practice to go to Hagrid. Probably just gonna have to look it up now. on YouTube. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch it now because I can't even remember. Um, so I did, I did watch the scene, and we both are right in a way. In a way. In so a does way. it happen like right after? So they never make it to the Quidditch fields in the movie. They're like walking. Oh, they confront the, halls. the courtyard. Yeah, they're walking through the halls and they walk out into the courtyard and the Slytherin team is walking towards them and Wood is already like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And they confront them there and um, Ron and Hermione are sitting on a bench reading and Ron goes, I smell trouble. And then they walk up and then the whole confrontation, Draco calling her a mudblood and the spell happens. And then Harry leaves, Harry um, and Hermione and some of the Quidditch team's members go to Ron who's been blown backwards and asks him if he's okay and then he pukes up that slug and then Harry's like Hagrid will know what to do and then him and Hermione take Ron to Hagrid. So they combine those scenes. They don't even bother to have them separate scenes and they they I think they do that one other time. Well they so in the book it's not separated either but we were thinking in the movie it was separated. Yes. That's what we were thinking. Yes. We're, we were wrong. It it is in it is correct timing. However, they aren't even at the Quidditch fields in the movie like they're in the book. In the so book, they-, they are in the they have been at the Quidditch fields for hours in the changing room talking about the strategies Wood is wanting to do and then they go out on the field and they haven't even started practicing when Slytherin shows up. That's what happens in the book not what happens in the movie they yeah, and they, and they, <laughs> yeah and they do that one other time in the next chapter i believe yes. but yeah so they don't even they have quidditch once in the movies and that is whenever yeah. harry breaks his arm mm-hmm. uh which we'll get to that yeah but so they they don't even really have quidditch and that sucks because mm-hmm. that i loved that scene it, it shows it does show a bit more of wood's character and his his pushy nature yes it does as, Yes. It also kind of gives some of the twins mischievousness in the scene as well because they're kind of joking around 
in that area. But also I do want to point out that I would probably kill Wood if he tried to wake me up before the sun was even up to talk about strategies for like four hours. Me and Wood would not be friends. (laughs) Absolutely. And the thing is, when he wakes Harry up, it was the goal of starting early, you know, getting the jump on Slytherin or you know, yeah. the other teams, but that doesn't even really happen because they, no, say, they don't practice. They don't practice. And by the time they start practicing is when the Slytherin interrupts them in mm-hmm. the field. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that whole scene is just so different in the movies. They completely scrap the majority of that scene. From the yes. The yes, they do. Which is sad. It so is. I did have to uh, point out, I wonder like, can Draco actually play Quidditch or did he, he, did he get onto the Quidditch team by bribery alone. I want to say that he got on the team majority for bribery, but I do think that he can. He has some form of skills because he did show his skills in the book before when he was up throwing uh, Neville's ball. Whatever yeah. was it called? Um, his the Rememberall. Yes, the Rememberall. So he shows that he has some skills at flying, and and he has. I mean, take his words with a grain of salt because you never know if he's lying or not but he has mentioned before that he has played or practiced quidditch before he came to school and so i think that he does have some skills so i don't want to say that he entirely made it onto the team by bribery but there was not a spot open from my understanding so the bribery pushed him to replace whoever was on yeah and i bring that up because if i'm not mistaken i don't i don't recall draco being on the Quidditch team later in the series at all. So like, did they take him um, off? So I actually don't remember. I don't think that, I think other things come to play in the reason why he's not on a Quidditch team later on. Because I want to say that he is in the next book, but I want to say after the next book, things come up and I, and there's also really not that much Quidditch after the next book in general. Because I do believe there's this scene... In the movies, and there's the scene where Harry flies up to, into the air, and then the is it the Death Eater? Um, no, or no, it's the um. What do you call that? Oh shoot! What are they called? The big shadowy thing that looks yes, like. Yes, I know what you're talking about, and I can't remember what they're called right now. But if you remember, it it's the one where um, it's uh, it's the next book. It's um, Prisoner of Azkaban. It's whoever. Yes. It's the people that guard Azkaban, or not the people, but the the creatures. The and creatures. I'm forgetting their freaking name. And it's the one where Harry had to go to court for using magic to yes. defend a muggle. Yeah. To defend uh Dudley. Against no 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 no. That scene doesn't happen until the sixth or the fifth book. The creatures come in the third book because the prisoner of Azkaban has escaped, and so they're looking around Hogwarts for the Oh prisoner. yes, and then that's when Harry's flying in the air. Yes. Okay, that scene that gotcha. you're thinking of is in the next book. However, him going to court because he used magic to defend a muggle doesn't happen until the fifth book. Okay. And I fucking can't remember what they're called. <laughs> It's gonna drive you crazy. It is gonna drive me crazy. I'm about to look this up. Hold on. Shadow creatures in Harry Potter. Dementor. Ah, bless America. Yeah, Anyways, so that's what they, it is. Yeah, they have the confrontation scene, and it's so different in the movie. Yes, it it's is. so much better in the books, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I then agree. they leave the Quidditch field, 
to go to Hagrid because Ron had cursed Draco or tried. (laughs) Yes, that's where the broken wand comes in. He tried to curse Draco and it backfired majorly and he starts throwing up slugs. Yes, which he actually, I want to say, throws up more slugs in the book than he does in the movie, which is probably just because the actor didn't want to put that many slugs in his mouth. Oh my gosh, did he really have to put slugs or were those like... I mean... I would assume, I don't, honestly, I don't know. Because it looks like he's spitting out slugs in the movie, like when I just watched the scene. But I don't know if they actually put real life slugs in his mouth or if they just put like some type of slimy stuff in his mouth and then he just spit out like something that looked the same color and then on the ground was a slug. If I were that child, like if I was younger around uh, his age and I was told by the director to spit out slugs repeatedly, I'd be like... (laughs) Okay, I'm bye. I'm bye. Bye bye bye. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Yeah, I think he really only spits out like one or two that you see, and then the rest of the time he's like throwing up, kind of in a in a bucket, so you don't ever see yeah. him throwing up anything else in the movie. But, but after I, that, in the book, he for days, isn't it? For days. Yeah, no, it's. Up. I think it's the rest of that day. Like he, majority of it happens before he gets to Hagrid's and then when he's at Hagrid's and then later that night when he has detention he throws up a slug or spits up a slug on one of the uh, trophies that he has to clean and he has to clean it again because he had a slug attack or whatever and I think that's the last time that he had an issue yeah but um he throws up a lot more slugs in the book than he does in the movie yes so they go to Hagrid's right and you see Lockhart. Yeah. So in general, this whole scene is very different from the movie. Oh, yes. The whole scene is different from the movie. Yes. So Lockhart is there. Mm-hmm. He's not there in the movie. Lockhart apparently is there to tell Hagrid that he's doing something wrong or that Lockhart can do it better. Not truly sure. I don't remember. He's basically yeah. there boasting about himself. Um, like he does with everybody. Yep. And Harry sees Lockhart and hides poor Ron, who's puking up slugs, behind a bush because he doesn't want to go near Lockhart because he doesn't want to deal with Lockhart's bullshit. I mean, I would... I understand, but I understand, yeah, but sacrifices. Poor Ron. I mean, we're used to saying poor Neville, but now we're saying poor Ron. Ron just has the shit into the stick in this book, right? In this book, absolutely. Um, The other thing that I've noticed that is different in this scene in the books than in the movie is that Hermione in the movie already knows what mudblood means. Because I'm pretty sure she's the one that explains to Harry what that word is. Yeah, it's not Hagrid. And she's actually really offended. Like the scene that I just watched on YouTube to see if we were right about the other part. Um, She's actually super offended. And already like her face already shows that she kind of knows what that is. I don't think she, I mean, I'm sure she had some type of offended face on. Yeah. But uh, she didn't understand the true offense of the word until Ron, who was picking up slugs, tells her what it is. And then Hagrid helps, right? Uh, Hagrid doesn't, I mean, Hagrid explains that it is a bad word, but Ron does most of the explaining, which it does not happen in the movies. He is just in the background puking up slugs. And I think he says a few words here and there. But for the most part, Hagrid and Hermione is the one that is are the ones that are explaining it to Harry what mudblood is. 
which is yeah. sad for Ron's character because it shows that Ron has knowledge and it shows that Ron, it gives Ron more depth and instead they stole this the those lines from Ron and gave them to Hermione, who we already know knows a lot. We It'd be nice to know that Hermione has a weakness in some of her knowledge and that Ron knew something that she didn't. See, I don't know if that was a mistake on the director's part for the movies or if J.K. Rowling just really wanted to change things up and she was like, okay, well, I mean, it's already in the character of Hermione to know it all, so might as well know it all, right? Because in the book, I mean, in speaking terms, like if you think about it, um, Hermione does know it all, but she doesn't know what a mudblood is. So that's not something that you learn in the book. But yeah, true. Which is, I think, where the whole concept came from. Yes. Because you you don't tend to because the mudblood is a slang word it's mm-hmm. an offensive slang word and you don't in the wizarding learn, world yes and you don't tend to learn that necessarily in a book you're right like slang words really aren't in a book but you go this look is up their like, the urban wizarding <laughs> dictionary or whatever yeah well so. the only comment that i would have to kind of counter that would be hermione that's their second year so if Hermione is what they considered slang for like mudblood, you know, why didn't she hear it the first year? I don't know. I think on J.K. Rowling's side, she didn't come up with the word until this book. <laughs> well, yeah, see, but you, you but, know where I'm coming from, yes, though. Yes, I also think that, I think that there's a shift in the Malfoys as well, because the Malfoys are trying to do everything to like stay under the radar and not get in trouble because of yeah. them following Voldemort. And then I think with the reappearance of Voldemort at the school the year before kind of brings them more confidence to be more of their their normal normal self, I guess I would say. So that could be something into why she hasn't heard it until now. I don't really know. I know that it's a common theme that some of Ron's lines where it shows his knowledge get stolen from him in the movies so that's kind of why I've I am noticing it right now which is terrible um, because Ron is smart yeah and I don't know if this part was on purpose like you said it might have just been like the director just gave it to Hermione so that Ron didn't have to keep pulling his head out of the bucket as he's throwing up slugs in the scene yeah but at the same time it becomes a theme so it's really it's awful for Ron's character that they did that and they yes. started it here and it just continues so yes so after the slug scene they leave and mcgonagall comes to them about detention right so the detention scene is very similar yes. to it in the movie very yes. and the only thing and a major thing in my opinion is they jump scenes okay and then that jumps right into the next chapter And that is where we end this episode for the week. I am so sorry, guys, but we are way past our time. (laughs) We had so much to talk about. Yes, we did. We did not realize we'd talk about chapter six for almost 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's just too interesting. You couldn't. I mean, and this is going to happen frequently in the next, you know, entire series because... Um, there's just so much that I want to touch base with so many things that we're going to have to talk about. Yes. (laughs) So please join us for our next episode where we talk about chapters eight through 10. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Eight through 10 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. (laughs)